You are listening to the Over and Back podcast with Jason and RJ. And as always, we want you all to shut up and sit down. Hey, hey, NBA fans, welcome once again to the Over and Back podcast for Sunday, March 31st, a day I think 50% of our population doesn't think exists. Uh, I'm here uh, with RJ Benner. Hey, hey. And I'm Jason Corbis, and uh, we are ready to talk some hoops. It's, uh, it's, March Madness time. It's winding down. We are headed to the Final Four now. We have our team set, man. Yeah. What, what do you think? Uh, I'm wildly disappointed with, with who's in and who's out. So I was really looking forward yeah. to UNC, and I was really looking in to uh, Kentucky. <laughs> Kentucky was another one. So let's just go. Uh, let's just go down the wire. Uh, you know. So so here we are. The Elite Eight happened uh, since our last podcast. Instead of going down a, a profile of what just happened. Uh, earlier in the week, let's go down to what happened this weekend. We have a Final Four set. Auburn upsets Kentucky 77-71 to 71 in overtime. They do this without their best player, uh, Chuma Okiki. Virginia, uh, in, their, in their incredible defense, continues to roll. They beat Purdue 80-75 to 75 to get into the Final Four. Seeing this actually makes me think, man, Oregon took that. That was an ugly game. Both of those oh, teams yeah, were absolutely. really ugly. But <laughs> Oregon took them down to the wire. And you know that they went toe to toe with the Final Four team with a, a yeah. squad that doesn't have great talent, in my opinion. Yeah, you know the game was a little bit sloppy, but uh, Oregon showed a lot of heart in that game. Uh, but uh, in the end, you know Virginia ended up taking it, which you know is, it's a bit disappointing for us. You know we're here in Oregon, and uh, we always like seeing those Ducks move on. But uh, Virginia is a team that's been working hard all year. So yeah, in uh, <clears throat> in the, uh, the other side of the the bracket, Texas Tech. Uh, and I called this man, Jarrett Culver, a beast. Mm-hmm. Texas Tech takes down number one Gonzaga to get into the Final Four. And this game just wrapped up moments before the podcast was recorded. Another last-second Duke game. This time it doesn't go their way. Zion and company get sent home by a tough Michigan State team that has no NBA prospects, at least first-round prospects, on their squad. Uh, it's a disappointing season for Duke. Uh but it brings up an interesting point, you know. Uh, Duke has had a rough tournament. Yes, they they did not look like uh, like the team that we saw dominating during the the rest of the college season. They struggled in every game that they played in this tournament because I think at some point everybody kind of got the formula of taking down Duke. We're going to pack the middle because these guys can't shoot threes. They're really inconsistent from the outside. It didn't help that mm-hmm. UCF, you know, had a, a seven foot six guy in the yep. middle uh, uh, as uh, to, to clog up literally everything for mm-hmm. them. But again, they they struggled against everybody, and uh, you know, even Virginia Tech that most people thought was going to be, you know, just completely wiped off the floor. Yep. yep. And yeah, it's, it's yeah, sad. I'm with you. You know, they they. Outside of that first round, I think they ended up getting like North Dakota State or something like that. Where even in that right. game, they won like eighty five sixty nine. But even in that game, I think at one point it was like it was like eighteen to eleven. Uh, Duke was down. It, you know that game. It kind of felt like the mighty Casey at right. that. You know where they didn't try very hard. But yeah, what? There's no real explanation on why they had to beat Virginia Tech and UCF at the last second. And honestly, if um, if the center out of uh, UCF uh, Fall was his last name, uh, Taco. I, I, yeah, Taco Fall. Uh, if he wouldn't, if he wasn't fouled out of that game because he fouled out, uh, he wasn't on the the court those the the last couple of minutes of that game. If he stays in, they might not get that rebound. They might not get that shot. So. Uh, uh, you know, if if if, if I, I just gotta say too, I saw a bunch of things like uh, everybody was posting like uh, 
Taco Fall highlights this last Tuesday. And I have a feeling that's going to be a thing going forward for this kid if he makes his way to the next level. <laughs> like, yes. like, literally, those arenas are going to have Taco Bell sponsors, and it's going to be Taco <laughs> Tuesdays. Everywhere. Every Tuesday night home game. Yeah, he just, yeah, and he, he, man, he's so raw. I really would like to see him continue playing. He might be a G League star for a couple years before oh, he sure. makes his way to the NBA. So here's a question, though, about Duke, right? Like like Mount Zion, the the, the, the beast, uh, R.J. Barrett, uh, Cam Reddish, the, you know, the, the three of the top five recruits coming in, you know, the, the, the amazing freshmen. Here we are watching them bounced out. They don't make it to the Final Four. They never really had, like, I mean, honestly, Michigan State isn't, I mean, they're an all right team. So to say that they got beat by a nobody is unfair. But they, they got beat by a Michigan State team. They play great team ball, but they don't have anybody that they can really count on. Is this three people that were just overhyped and they finally got called on it? Is this just the way the tournament goes and, and they're just another victim uh, like other teams in the past? Or is this really uh, three players who know they're about ready to make millions of dollars and they're not going to do the same? They're not going to have the same thing that happened to, to Chumo, Kiki, and Auburn happen to them. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's a few different things. I think part of it, yeah, I think they're all expecting bigger things. The college game is what it is. One of the big things I think, though, is that it was us that did it. We took all of these, you know, clips that we saw of Zion and the highlights, and we made that, you know, Duke's identity and the look of dominance in those dunks. Like we made all of a sudden Duke is unbeatable because we got, you know, a good prospect and then somebody who's pretty, you know, like well, unbelievably athletic. But I don't think that they were ever really the team that we were putting them up on this pedestal that was so high in the beginning of this season in college basketball that I don't think was as attainable. And you hear a few people, you know, saying all year long, well, there's there's some of our uh, some broadcasters who are completely on the Duke train and they're, you know, is Duke the greatest college basketball team of all time? Can Duke beat an NBA team? I'll tell you what, Duke can't beat the Phoenix Suns. No. That, no like they can't. legitimately. No, no. So not. I hate it when people bring that into into conversation. Like this college team is so good they can beat a pro team. No, they can't. Not gonna happen. I will say there's a so, couple times in our life where that I, I could argue might have been different. I remember Stackhouse, like, Wallace, and UNC. Hey, <laughs> I love them. That was fun. I mean, but there, there's been a few of those. Basketball, I would say, are less likely. I remember, like, football. College, there was a couple college football teams. There was, like, one Alabama team and one Miami Hurricane team where I thought they might be able to beat, like, a Cleveland Browns team or well, a, he, he, like an 0-16 Lions the, team. The problem with that, though, is that even the greatest college teams, as soon as you watch uh, – those two teams line up. You see, you know, the, the offensive line versus yeah. the defensive line. Like those college kids are literally going to get crushed. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so a couple a couple things I want to wrap up on college basketball because we have a lot of NBA to talk about. So we talk about Chuma's injury. He's the Auburn star. What was really, his name again? <laughs> Chuma Okiki. Yeah. And that might not even be right. We know it's Chuma. But there's nobody on ESPN willing to say his last yeah, name. Yeah, we we're trying to look it up because we don't want to mispronounce it. You know, we we want to be you know correct with these things. And uh, literally everybody referred to him either by Chuma or the teammate. Yeah. Or How do you just, feel about your teammate's just, injury? Just something. Nobody would say his name. Yeah, I, I, uh, he was projected to be a middle first round pick. Mm-hmm. Tears his ACL last game of his college career. He's gonna miss. All the uh, uh, all the um, 
off-season workouts. He's, he's going he's gonna to be able to go in and, and meet with them and do the interviews and stuff, but he won't be able to display any of that athleticism in person. How many draft spots does this cost him? Because he was he, they, I he, think, he was talked about like you know between fifteen right. and twenty five. I the latest I think he would fall is very very early in the second round. Um, this isn't something that completely stifles a draft pick. You know, we've seen these cases where a guy is injured, he can't even play the first season, but his draft stock doesn't fall that far. Yeah. And I don't think, like, like tearing your ACL is a much more common, really, you know, a fixable injury these days, and it doesn't have quite as long-term effects as it, as it might have used to, you know? Right, so, yeah. It's not an Achilles injury. I, I don't is, think, I don't, yeah. I don't think his draft stock is going to fall that far. A possibility out of the first round, but I was, my guess is probably late first round. No chance of being middle right, still. Okay. So, with the Final Four of Virginia, Texas Tech, Michigan State, and Auburn, I don't care about college basketball anymore. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> I mean, we have... Like Jarrett Culver is pretty much the only prospect that's going to have any any of my attention. Michigan State has no number ones. Virginia's team is ugly as sin to watch play basketball, mm-hmm. and the only other uh, decent prospect to watch we just talked about got injured. So, uh, are you going to watch this? I don't think I am. I, I think I'm just going to be checking out the highlights, man. Right? Yeah. Tell you. Yeah. You know, it's, this is this is like. People who aren't Spurs fans when the Spurs make the finals, you know what I mean? I love it. Nobody else does around me, so yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> All right. So we talk about players transitioning into the NBA based on what we see from them in college. And we saw a lot from Zion this season. But the question came up, is he going to be a bust? And I don't know how to answer that. You, you know, take it's, a shot? it's a possibility. Uh he he has a really special game for the college game. He is the most athletic player to come out uh, from college basketball, even in high school. In uh, you know, he's he's a different kind of athlete than LeBron James. So you can't even really compare. He's he's a pretty unique kind of an athlete, and it has yet to see, we have yet to see if a guy can make that sort of transition in today's NBA game. Now, back in the day, you didn't have to be quite as tall and you didn't have to have the same kind of shooting to be as effective. But today's NBA is different. We need that outside shot that Zion occasionally takes, but he doesn't have he doesn't have it, you know, it's 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 not pretty. Mm-hmm. I will give it that. Sometimes he hits it, but it isn't it's not pretty. Uh, so we have yet to see if that kind of game can actually translate today. And I think it depends on the team that he ends up, how they end up working their offense to complement him as opposed to just trying to fit him in. Yeah. Because things are going to have to be worked and have to be changed for for him to step into a team. And he's going to have to – they're going to have to figure out a way to focus his talents in a certain way for him to, to be effective. If not, if they just try to slide him in somewhere uh, – New York's not very good at changing things. Um, <laughs> no. You know, I have, I, so, he so might have a hard, ro- hard yeah. road ahead of him. So, yeah, so here's, here's pretty much the team rundown. 75% chance that he's going to land on one of these teams, right? The, the percentages are We got our Suns and we have our Knicks. And yeah, we, so Knicks and Suns, Cavs, Bulls at yeah. this point, right? Mm-hmm. That's a... That's a really terrible option. Yeah. All the way around, you know, the Knicks and the Cavaliers have terrible leadership uh, from, from coaching to GM to owner. You don't want to have anything to do with those organizations. The Bulls, they've kind of been bad for a long time, so you don't know if this is, if they're a victim of, of circumstance and bad draft. Um, but then that creates, you know, the question, 
do they have to start moving pieces around, or are they going to really try to slide them into that kind of – they have, like, that toilet bowl offense where Laurie Markinon's kind of stepped up, but right. not much. Uh, uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, I, don't, I don't think – if your expectations are, is he a Durant or an Anthony Davis or a LeBron or one of these top ten players that you're going to have for the next ten years, yeah, the bust potential is high. I think that's yeah. that's true with anybody that you draft, regardless of how good they look in college. But if you if you if you go into it thinking, hey, we want a fringe all star, somebody with great potential, and maybe he'll break out, but we can count on him as a starter for the next five ten years, then you're going to be happy with him, right? Like he's oh, yeah. not he's not going to he, Joe Smith it or Kwame Brown it, but he is going to make whoever drafts him so much money before he even plays <laughs> a single game, and that is one of the benefits of drafting him first. Whoever gets him, they are they don't even have to. They they they're they're still probably going to suck next year yeah. even with him. Let's f- face the facts, he is not going to be a guy who takes a team with twenty wins and brings them to the playoffs. Yeah. It's not going to happen. It's going to be a, yeah. That would so, be that would be a. Uh, that would be a I surprise. mean, so before he even plays, that's going to be the benefit. Like season tickets are going to go through the roof wherever mm-hmm. he lands. There's going to be so much merch with Zion, you know, <laughs> all over the place. Gosh. It's, yeah. So, you know, it be you, cool though if he ended up on the Nuggets. I know. Just like that too, Zion. Right? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you could you could have a lot of fun with that, uh, or the Utah Jazz. So the 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 real troubling thing about Duke, in my opinion, is what happened to Cam Reddish. I had him as a top ten player. He completely disappeared. He in this did. Tournament. It he, was it was crazy. He looked it, a lot. He looked a lot like Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, it's it showed a lot when uh, when Coach K decided to bench all of his starters, like except for Zion, uh, in the second half of their first round game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. All he, right. He's. Uh, He's, he's got some work to do still, I think. And I think that's, again, us putting certain players on a, on a pedestal because of the, you know, he's averaging good points, but he was also doing it on a against teams that, you know, right. it, it wasn't it wasn't the same level of competition. So if they're focusing on somebody else, Cam Reddish got a chance to get some easy threes in, you know, being one of their best shooters. He's still, again, he's one of their best shooters. Duke has no outside game. So What does that tell you? All right, let's put let's put a let's put a pin in college basketball until the the NBA season and playoffs wrap up. I think this should be our last uh sounds good. Uh, our last one. Maybe we'll give a shout out to the winner of the tournament next week. But. Yes, yes, we'll definitely give Texas Tech some love. Or I mean the winner of the tournament. <laughs> so the uh, the playoffs are, uh, you know, every every time we have a podcast, we think we have a pretty good idea of what's going on. But, man, this late in the season, I normally am, am anti-April. I just – we sit there and we're like, okay, let's let's figure out, like, what like who what, what house are we going to be at for the first round? Right. What house are we going to be at for the second round? Like, who's buying snacks? We start making our, our playoff game plan. But the problem is we don't have any clue how these playoffs are going to be, and I don't remember a year being this up in the air. So a quick recap. We'll go with the Eastern Conference. Six through nine separated by one game. Yeah. That's a huge swing. The it's four, insanity. Yeah, the four uh, and five you seeds. You can't call anything. Right, the four and five seeds are tied. Uh, neither one of those teams have decided to get hot. The Pacers are are, are suffering more than the Celtics, but it's a toss up. Right. Uh, and now Brooklyn is stumbling too. Brooklyn was was kind of uh, making a name for themselves. We could be in a situation where that sixth seed, which I think is Brooklyn in this moment right now, falls out of the playoffs in the last game of the season. What? Yeah. What? <sighs> the thing is, it's both conferences are like this. It's yeah. kind of yeah. My money is still going to be on Brooklyn. 
uh, I think they're going to be in. I think the team that's probably not going to make it, if I had to bet on it, was going to be Orlando. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they're currently the nine seed by a half game. Yeah. Miami Heat sitting at eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to depend on schedules. It's going to depend on who's got the most home games, and it's going to depend on, uh, I guess, a lot of heart at this point. You know, it it almost feels like nobody's trying at the end. Right. You know, we have like besides Orlando, who's doing what they can to scrap to get up to at least eight. You know, all of these teams are. I mean, they're losing some some games that they should be winning, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be to who wants it more, really. With being that close, that many teams uh, in this kind of playoff race, it's it's crazy. Yeah. So here, here's some here, here's some things that you want, right? If you're if you're the Celtics, remember we we, we lambasted Kyrie Irving about ta- talking about taking it easy. Guess what? He's still playing these games. You know why? Because even though the Celtics have, or even though the the Pacers have lost three of their, uh, I'm sorry, seven of their last ten, the Celtics have only uh, gone five and five. Right, so they haven't been able to they haven't been able to gain as much ground as they'd wanted to because they haven't been able to put things together. These teams, not only is it like, hey, we got to try to figure out how to stop losing games so that we can secure our playoff spot. You're really going into the playoffs with the absolute worst momentum possible. Yeah. No, they're just going to be rolling across the finish line of the end of the season, and nobody's going in there. You know, on a yeah. roll, right? Except it's, except one, two, and three. Yeah, well, they're rolling. Yeah, talk about teams putting it together. Watch out. I saw well. I saw last night that uh, you know the Bucks lost to the Hawks on a crazy last second shot. But uh, again, I was I then looked at the box score and realized absolutely nobody was playing for the Bucks. And of course, they went on to the easy win. And if you hadn't seen that last second tip shot by uh, by Young, it was one of the most incredible shots I've seen all year. Did you see it? I didn't. There's 1.1 seconds left. They're down by one. Okay. Uh, Milwaukee just scored on a layup. They get the ball out on the side, right? They get to advance it up. They throw it up. It gets tipped. And so the ball is falling to the ground in the key, and Trey Young is right under there and just quickly gets a hold of it, pops it up there quick with one hand, and makes the shot. And the ball literally leaves his fingertips like the split second before the <laughs> the the red lights go off. And it was insane. Nice. Yeah, I see. That's a that's a good game. I'll tell you. I feel like the Eastern Conference has their uh, that one, two, three seed. So you know the 76ers, Raptors, and of course the Bucks. Those those three teams definitely scary right now. Just just they're they're coming together as teammates. They seem to have kind of a confidence and and just like a real good security. The rest of the playoffs. I'm sorry. The rest of the playoff teams in the East, I feel like they're you know like we talked about they're they're kind of in a uh, uh, they're stumbling and tumbling right. towards the end of the season. The Western Conference, a little different. What I kind of want to do is kick off our conversation for the Western Conference with a question from one of our listeners. Yeah. Hey, uh, Daniel writes in asking what what are the Blazers' chances now that Nurkic is out for the season? <sighs> so we're going to disagree on this, probably. Yeah, we'll see. I think their chances are really good in the regular season to still perform well, keep their seeding really good, but they're not going to be able to play their style of ball, especially with the tight rotations in the playoffs, to be able to advance. And I think their playoff chances to move ahead might be kind of slim to none. Yeah, so I feel like this one 
and, and we'll get into the the we'll get into the math on on this. Um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start this talking about Portland, then we'll go backwards talking about the overall playoff seeding and, and how the math is gonna work. But Portland's chance for a number one seed is out the window at this point. Right, that yeah. injury stops them. They're yeah. they're going to be stuck in that fourth seed. You know, they were rolling. They were three games out of first place with like nine to go uh, mm-hmm. earlier this week, and you know, with uh, Golden State and uh, Denver constantly losing easy games for some reason. Like Denver hasn't been uh, hasn't been performing as well down the stretch yep. either. You know, they could have snuck in there. Yeah. And granted, it would have been you know uh, yeah, an eight yeah. seed beating a one at that point. I think. Right. So but, you know. It, Instead, what what's happened is Houston caught fire. Yeah, and uh, now Houston's got the best chances right. of moving up. I yeah. think so. Houston is three games out, so they've taken over the third seed. Portland is now sitting in the fourth seed, three and a half games out. But of course, the window is closing. I, I feel like that. I feel like we can lock in Portland in the fourth seed. Yeah. Right. So here's, I think that's a safe safe assessment. Yeah. So so to answer answer Daniel's question, here's what really matters on if the port if Portland's going to get out of the first round, and that's in my opinion, that's as far as. Uh, you can you can really expect them to go. So if if they face Utah in the first round, which is what they're currently slated that's, to that's, do, I believe that's they're, like ninety nine percent going to happen. I think they're done. They're not yeah. going to. They're not going to beat the no the Jazz. Uh, Nurkic had a chance uh, to you know nullify a lot of the effects that Gobert has in the middle. Yeah, and, and it's not even the defense; it's the rebounding. Exactly. Right? Uh, well, I mean, Nurkic does a really good job of of keeping Gobert off of the offensive boards, and that would help them tremendously in the playoffs. And you know, now I, I like Cantor's game, but Cantor is not nearly as mm-hmm. good of a rebounder. Nope. And uh, of course, I say this after he had twenty and fifteen last night, but that wasn't a losing cause. Yeah, but he can have twenty and nineteen, and then the very next night yeah. he can have five and five. Yeah. Like who so is this guy? That kind of inconsistency will not get it done in the playoffs. You can't have, you know, those right. kind of poor performances. So. So here, here's what here's the best possible scenario right now. So the Clippers and the Go Utah Jazz hurt in the first round again. That's ah, a tragic situation. The, the, the Clippers and the Jazz are fighting for the fifth seed. If the the Clippers get the fifth seed. I, I believe Portland will decimate the Clippers in the playoffs. I think that the, the yeah oh I think they could beat the Clippers. Yeah, the, the 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 roster makeup of the Clippers. I think the vulnerabilities will be the backcourt of, of Portland, and I don't think they have enough strength, of muscle, and size inside to over the course of you know four to seven games dominate. So I also feel like the Spurs they have a chance to beat the Spurs too. A lot harder of a matchup, but if the Spurs end up somehow fighting their way to the fifth seed, or Portland free falls out, and then right. the, the matchup lands that way. Um, I think that they could beat the Spurs. That's it, though. You get the Clippers, and possibly with a couple good bounces, um, the Spurs. You you can advance, and then that's the end of the road for Portland, in my right. opinion. Um, but that's still the conference finals if that happens. So, well, no, I mean that's his first round. If, oh, if they can yeah. draw the Spurs. Yeah, no, yeah, at that point, I thought you were talking about drawing the Spurs in the second. Should they get through? No, no, that's if the Spurs can. <laughs> you know, because there's not a lot separating the Spurs from. Um, from being able to, to climb up, uh, like so, if the Spurs if the Spurs climb up to seven or, or hold at seven, and somehow the Blazers can overcome the Rockets for that third seed, and then we have a three, and or I'm sorry, six and a three, so the Spurs have to get up to six. Then we're in good shape. Other than that, they really have to hope that they hold four and the Clippers climb to five to get out of the first round, or else they're they're going home. So now let's work backwards on the math for the right. Western Conference. So all eight seeds are are all all eight teams are decided. The seeding still has to work out. The number one seed still up for grabs. As of today, Golden State Denver still tied for one with the Rockets three games out. Yeah, in the Western Conference, it's definitely a race for the top. Yeah. And, 
I don't, I don't know what's going on with these top seeds. You know, yeah. we have. They just seem so complacent. They're every time I look, you know, again, third and fourth are getting closer and closer to the top. You know, and uh, you know if they really want it, I mean, they got to start playing a little bit better. Uh, I know that Golden State is still, you know, in turmoil. I had, I mean, I I, I saw this. Uh, clip of a documentary that's going to be coming out about the Bulls and how how kind of chaotic everything was uh, for their very last title run. Mm-hmm. Like, did you see there's going to be this I 30 for 30 coming it. out next year? Um, and, dude, it seemed like everybody was, like, like so many of them, like, hated each other. And there were so many things coming out in the news about, you know, uh, Scotty doesn't like Dennis. Dennis doesn't like anybody. Other guys <laughs> don't like babysitting Dennis. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Jordan is being kind of a in uh, practice, uh, of course, we all knew yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's. I think these teams that go on these long runs and championship runs together, like it's it's really really difficult to to one like they don't feel like they really have as much to play for now. They want to, uh, you know. There's a lot of guys on there. I think that still feel like they can be the man somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. You know, too many too many opportunities with guys who have you know one foot out the door. Everybody getting upset about about you know this and that, and it's 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 yeah, I, I agree. So when I look at the when I look at the top of the Western Conference, I say so Denver's losing some games because that's Denver playing Denver they're basketball. Just, they're that's just what in, they can do. They're just young and inexperienced. Yep. I expect that. Yeah. So so I, think, I didn't expect them to be number two. So right. that's I or, mean, or yeah, tied for number one at this point. Like if, when Denver loses a game, I'm not saying it's complacency, and I'm not saying it's any of these things. I'm saying it's it's just no Denver I'm mainly playing. talking about the Warriors yeah so that that means when I'm looking at Golden State is this a complacency issue maybe like when they get when they get hammered by the Suns or they get hammered by the Mavericks well, yeah, it's that that's, and a dysfunctional issue you know that just, that is the key right there it's 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 nobody likes each other anymore yeah. and I'll say that I think Nobody talks about the effect Boogie Cousins is having. Like they're acting like he's behaving, right? I I look at this. What's different about Kevin Durant's behavior? Yes, he's a free agent, but this this like negative attitude and this like uh, 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 shift, a uh, uh, fracture between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, and a lot of this other stuff that's happening. Boogie's on the other side of that. Boogie's in Kevin Durant's ear. Like Boogie and Kevin Durant are close in this moment, right? right? Like that's how this is. So now we have basically two divisions in a locker room that's never had locker room problems before. I think that this is the last time we see this team. Even well, if that's Kevin not Durant even comes back. that's not even true though, because last year they we were talking about you have no idea how bad things were in our locker room. I thought that had to do with the uh, the staff infection stuff that came out. I thought that was a medical thing. No. Oh no 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 no. There was a lot of. Uh, a lot of back and forth and backbiting and everything like that too. Draymond getting upset with Steve Kerr, like uh, lots of just a lot of animosity, and it's it's kind of not only is it carrying over, it's kind of boiling over at this point. And now a lot of those things that we didn't know about last year that that's been let out in the media, and now mm-hmm. all like their closet door is swung wide open and all the skeletons are kind of showing. So Yeah. Well, that team's definitely going to be blown up in the offseason. I don't know how many of the people they keep, but I can guarantee if Draymond comes back, Durant's not. If Durant's coming back, Draymond's not. Boogie's not going to be back. And people just assume Clay's coming back, but I don't know. No, I mean, 
there's lots of guys that say that they're staying, and then they end up, you mm-hmm. know, getting getting an offer they can't refuse, playing with somebody, you know, that they decide, hey, you know what, this this might actually work, and they give it a shot. And yeah. I would say Clay leaving is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Agreed. So this leaves. We talked about the four being Portland. We talked about one and two being Denver and Golden State up for grabs. I kind of want to talk about the end. We we feel that you know Houston sitting at three. I think that's the scariest team in the West right now. They're probably going to sit tight at three. I really don't see them making a move on one, two, or falling down to four. We're looking at the, I mean, all the elbowing and fighting right now. Oklahoma City, who we talked about, are they going to hold the four seed just a couple of weeks ago? Are now sitting in the eighth seed. Yeah, they're guaranteed to make the playoffs, but they're on a they're on a slide. They don't. It, it, it's not injury related. There mm-hmm. hasn't been some nasty thing. Nobody's playing through pain. This is just poor basketball coming out of OKC. I really don't see them getting out of the eighth seed at this point. No, it's what we talked about earlier too. You have to go into the playoffs with momentum, yep. otherwise your goose is cooked. Yeah, that's that's just the way that it is. You can be, you know, like in the, a three six matchup. You know, I don't know how many times I've seen a team set at six that is rolling going into the playoffs, and then they end up squeaking out the win and moving on to the the next round because momentum is so big in sports. You do not want to be crawling across the finish line to the end of the season. True. So let's let's play let's play a little uh, uh, guessing game here, right? right. So we're going to say Golden State sits number one, Denver ends up number two. Golden State versus OKC. Is this a game? I'm going to want to watch this. I'm going to want to watch it, especially because you never know what happens with that much star power in a game. Mm-hmm. You know, Paul George gets hot, goes for 40, they could end up dominating. Or Russell Westbrook could easily shoot them out of a game. Yep. And there's Who no knows? love lost between these two teams. No, 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 no. So, no. so, I mean, obviously I think Golden State walks away from that win, especially with how poorly OKC's playing. But that's a, like... When you when like I'm just saying, hey, take a look at this. OKC, your eighth seed with Paul George, Russell Westbrook. That's incredible. We're looking at San Antonio at seven versus Denver number two. This has to be the path um, uh, of least resistance for the Spurs to get into the, the second Spurs round. The Spurs have got a matchup against Denver because they're not going to take out Houston. They're not going to nope. take out Golden State. I don't even think right now that they would take out an injured Portland squad. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. But, uh, you know, the, the playoffs can be very interesting. And, again, too, when, when you're running an eight-man rotation, you don't have to worry about all these less experienced guys on your bench. You know, things tighten up in the playoffs. And, yep. uh, you know, if anybody knows how to make adjustments to match up against somebody, it's Pops. So. Yeah. So I, I'd say that that's a that's a best-case scenario for San Antonio is going up against that inexperienced Denver team. Now we have um, – the LA Clippers sitting in six versus the Houston Rockets at three, and I I I get that the Clippers are somehow playing good basketball, and I know I preach team ball, and that's kind of what they do. But my goodness, a hot Rockets team versus this Clippers—is it a sweep? You know, if uh, if those two were to match up, and uh, uh, Houston was not rolling the way that they are, you know, it might go six, but I see this thing going four, maybe five. Maybe the Clips can sneak one out in L.A., but, uh, yeah. but Houston's going to steamroll them. So I have, for the final matchup, I have Utah uh, versus Portland. And we, we kind of teased about that a little bit. I don't think, if, if Portland's facing Utah, I don't think that game uh, no, goes I, seven. I, I, I think it's probably a six-game series. Yeah, I mean, you know, Portland squeaking it out is not out of the realm of possibilities. Their two guards can shoot them into any game. Yeah. You know, there there is really no counter 
that Utah would have if both those guys get hot. They got they got Mitchell like they're. I mean, they could hope for Joe Ingles to splash eight threes on him, uh, but uh, you know, Damon CJ when they're rolling, they can pretty much beat anybody. They they have to get over the fact though that over the years. They've been so inconsistent in the playoffs, especially Lillard. Well, I hate to say it, but he, he cannot, for, for his own sake, moving forward, I mean, he cannot have another playoff performance no. like he had last year because no. he is not going to be taken seriously. Like he's, you know who to, he'll to become? Me, huh? You know, who, you know who he will become? Huh. He'll become a Carmelo slash Vince Carter type of star. Yeah. I mean, that's a, a regular season rock star and a playoff dud. We don't want that. No. We definitely don't want that. So. No. One thing that we do want is we want Damon Lillard's Damian Lillard's. Oh my gosh, I can't talk. Jersey hung in the rafters. Do you I, know who else had their jersey hung in the rafters? Yeah, there was a couple this week. Very, very cool. Yes. So if you want to kick things off, I'd like to. I'd like to give you the opportunity to speak about your San Antonio Spurs. Well, the second jersey that was hung this week was none other than number twenty Manu Ginobili. Uh Funny enough, it was really, really funny. They talked about uh, draft day uh, and how he was announced. And it was funny because uh, they, they said his name the same way in one of the old video games we had back in the day. Because mm-hmm. they were like, you know, and, uh, you know, in the second round, uh, Spurs pick Emmanuel Ginobili. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was a, it was a really cool ceremony. I actually went and I watched the whole thing. And they had really great things to say, uh, really funny things too. Because uh, uh, really funny, I'll just, you know, I won't do too many of the you know, little anecdotes from it. But uh, Manu was a very, very erratic player. If you don't know, if uh, some of our uh, younger people who listen to the show only got to see old man Manu play with a big bald spot, mm-hmm. He used to be fast, exciting, mm-hmm. long, flowing hair. He uh, <laughs> out of control. He exciting. was. Uh, Tony Parker said there was two kind of Manu passes. There was the legendary pass that nobody else could ever made, and then there was the ball in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> it's like there was a lot of balls in the stands. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, but uh, and then he had a a little back and forth where he was saying that. Uh, uh, Coach Papa tell him, you know, you know, Tony, you got to control him. And I say, you control him. I can't control him. No, you got to control him. And then uh, it finally, you know, uh, again, Greg Popovich, the master of making adjustments. This is uh, what helped his coaching career as far as making those kind of adjustments. They they came to a point where they let Manu be Manu, and he became legend after that. So, so I'm a huge fan of this man. This guy's been a spur. He was a Spur for 16 years. His entire career. His entire career. Didn't play anywhere else. And no offense to to the Avery Johnsons and certainly the David Robinsons, but when I think of San Antonio Spur greatness and I think of those teams I really couldn't stand uh, right. uh, in the playoffs. And he was the only thing exciting about them, <laughs> I got to say. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, when, when I think of those teams, I think of three men standing standing next to each other, right? I, mm-hmm. think, of, I think of the legendary Tim Duncan. I think of Tony Parker. And I think of Manu Ginobili. Right. That's it. Those are the three. And I know great players have come and gone, and they were parts of those championships teams, you know, the Robert Ories and and, mm-hmm. and, and, and whatnot. But it was those three men. So, right. yeah, absolutely hang his jersey in the rafters. Yeah, he gave w- you 16 years. One one last thing that uh, that was that came out about it was, uh, you know, we all know that Tim Duncan's going down as the greatest spur of all time. But uh, that, be, that being said, 
what people are saying about Manu is he's the most beloved Spur of all time. And the difference being, there was a, a guy who wrote into the, the Starters podcast, and he had said the the main difference in being the greatest and being the most beloved is the same way I feel about if I were to meet those two, if I met Tim Duncan, I would want to shake his hand for a job well done. If I met Manu Ginobili, I'd want to give him a great big hug. <laughs> right? so, yeah. yeah. So I think that pretty much put a nail on the head right there. So Perfect. So I, I'd like to go ahead and take the lead on the next jersey yeah, you uh, bet. that was retired. But just, just because I, I, got, I, got, I got some pretty strong feelings about this one. Chris Bosch's jersey got hung in the rafters for United Airlines Arena in Miami. And I want to—I want to say this was the what, twenty-sixth, twenty-seventh of March when this happened. Yeah. Uh, what? Yeah. What? Don't you Chris Bosch gets his jersey retired? So he was the third best player on a buy a title made team, starring LeBron James. He gets in an ugly spat. Uh, with the Miami Heat because he wanted to jeopardize his life by playing with blood clots and the team wouldn't let him. And we're going to hang that jersey, the third best player, for four years. And he gets his jersey retired. We talk about Manu. He was the third best player for 16 years. Beloved. Everybody everybody came out to watch him and he was wild. Chris Bosch was a guy who'd give you 15 points, 8 rebounds and just kind of chill. He could have been insert player here. He was Kevin Love. Oh, he oh. was one of these players. And we're going to hang his jersey in a place where he doesn't deserve it? Dude, you took the complete opposite road down this that I thought you were going Oh my to. gosh. Oh my goodness. The fact, and, and you know what? Here's some icing on the cake about hanging Chris Bosch's jersey. And you know what, Pat Riley? I hope one day you stumble across this podcast because you were an idiot. So... And I get, I get when you plan this out. You don't think that like your crap team in the dead of March is going to have a game that matters. But you literally are facing the Orlando Magic for the eighth seed. They're they're a game and a half behind you, and you ice your team with the lead at halftime with a twenty minute speech from Chris Bosh. Does he have 20 minutes of things to talk about in his time in Miami? Well, first, 10 of it was spent yelling back at the crowd and getting trying to get them hyped back up. <laughs> but, uh, man, you went real harsh on Bosch like it was his fault. Well, it, you know uh, what? Maybe, maybe if they had won not one, not two... Not three no, championships. Then we'd I be t- talking. I totally agree with you with the fact that he eyes his team and chose the really wrong time to do that. If you're going to do that... Retire his jersey on opening night next year. Yep. You know, teams, championship teams get ice from ring ceremonies all the time. So, <laughs> you know, it's no big deal. Do it then. It wouldn't have made any sort of difference. There was really no significance about, right. about having lo- it on this date. They lost that game. Yes. They that's, lost that's that game. That's what I'm saying. Is I agree with you not doing it because, excuse me, it was very, very ill-timed. Mm-hmm. But I think. You're not giving Chris Bo- Chris Bosh enough credit for what he did. So Chris Bosh, oh, now I'm getting glares. Like, <laughs> so yeah, he was the third best player on that team, but he also, you know, like Manu, accepted a certain role. Now Manu never averaged like he wasn't a 25 point a game guy. You know, season after season, he accepted a role coming off the bench. Uh, so Chris Bosh accepted this role as third man, and he was still a a very solid rebounder. I don't think it was quite like I think it was a little bit higher than you're remembering at eight. Uh, but he was also 
<laughs> Please, look it up. Uh, <laughs> he was also what the game is today, ahead of his time, being a stretch four that everybody wanted. Now, that that kind of a basketball wasn't as popular as it is now, and he gets a lot of credit for making that kind of adjustment to the game as a whole. And, uh, again, he had you know, physical good years in him, but this kind of medical condition, and I, 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 you know, I cheated a little bit. I watched an interview with him, and uh, he he took it really, really hard that this happened to him. And he tried. He came back even after his first stint with blood clots. He came back and he uh, he had a really good season. He made the All Star team again without. Uh, Without having LeBron on that team, mm-hmm. it was his first year back in Cleveland. He was uh, scoring 23 or 25 points a game before the All-Star break at that point, I think. He was having a great year because he didn't have to defer as that third role position anymore. He was really, really solid. This is, I mean, the, the 15, 16 points a game that he was getting was pretty much by choice. Um, and that's what worked for the system. But uh, then he was shooting around again at practice, and he just had a little pain in his calf. Mm -hmm. And just to be on the safe side, he went back and got that checked out, and that pretty much is what ended his career. Yeah. So and uh, yeah. So I'm not saying Chris Bosh sucked, even though even when I watched Chris Bosh, I had some pretty negative names for him just because I didn't like him. Uh, I I thought uh, I'm I'm just you know what I won't dance on this guy's grave. What I will say, (laughs) what I will say is that. If he did this for 10 years, if he did this for 12 years, 16 years, um, I, I would be okay with this. Hang yeah. his jersey in the rafters. He's earned it. He put in time. This guy played like four good seasons and in, in a part of two other seasons for you. Uh, you won two titles because of somebody named LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, not because well, of somebody named Chris Bosh. The best thing Chris Bosh did for that title was tip a rebound to Ray Allen for a three-point shot. That's essentially like Chris Bosh's claim yeah, to fame when it came to that team. I'm also a little bit surprised that Ujiri hasn't retired his number up in Toronto first. He, he walked on him. Yeah. He gave them a lot of good years. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, I, I know. It, it I, is what it is. The, it, it, and right there at that point, I mean, it was, right. a, it was a different guy running the Raptors, yep. and they weren't making any moves to make the team better. And I don't blame I him agree. for walking at that point. I so. agree. I mean, I think it was a sixth or seventh season at that point. Seventh season. Yeah. It was seventh well, season. Yeah. Seventh season. Well, that would yeah. be like getting pissed off at Devin Booker for leaving the Suns right now the way that they are. You know what I mean? Right. In like, four years from now. You, you can't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why did you sign that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm just saying if you're going to hang his, his jersey. Like, that's not a four-year commitment type of and, thing. We, we well, shouldn't be doing that. And they're going to do the same thing with LeBron. And, and it's just it's ugly. I mean, think about, think about great players that have come to, come to the Spurs and gave you four years of their prime and then bailed. Well, the, like, yeah. let's hang LaMarcus Aldridge's jersey. You know? He, yeah, well. I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge is a good player. Maybe he gets no, a title. No, he doesn't. But, he's, he's not getting his jersey retired. But that's, but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, he gets he four years. And he didn't win them any titles, though. And one of the, the points, as much as I disagree with what Pat Riley did, one of the points that Pat Riley made in his speech during Bosch's ceremony was the fact that there is zero championships in that run without Chris Bosch. Okay, but they could have got no. Here, oh, here you <laughs> go. Here you go. Are you ready for this one? Do you know why there Chris Bosch? There weren't any stretch fours at that point. Do you know why Chris Bosch was on that team? Do you know why it was Chris Bosch? Because Carmelo Anthony changed his mind. That like secret deal was Carmelo, LeBron, and Dwayne Wade going down there until 
Carmelo went, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't want to win basketball games. I want to get paid. Yeah, and yeah. The big but contract. This and, then is, they, and then they these are, these are, Bosch. These are things that, that you can't hold against Chris Bosch getting his jersey retired for. You know no, what but I, mean? I, can, I can hold the eight rebounds and six rebounds the final two years of the. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, you know what? Congratulations, Chris Bosch, on getting your jersey retired. <laughs> How about that? There's never been a more sincere statement. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about something we'll probably have a lot more agreement on, which is the all NBA team predictions. Ooh. We have one name that that two names, probably three names that are going to be on each other's list, and then we'll debate the other two. So, would you like to kick off one by one, or would you like to say your whole list? Uh, let's go ahead. Let's, let's let's work our way from since it's the most controversial position that they want to get eliminated from the All NBA team, the center spot. Let's work our way down from five to one. Perfect, perfect. I'll kick five off then. All right. I picked the Steve Miller band for mine, really? the Joker. I gotta say that's a very good pick. Uh, uh, <laughs> who was it? Uh, I can't remember who it was. It was on Inside the NBA, something like that. Maybe it was. Oh, wow. Anyways, it doesn't matter. Uh, it might have been Baron Davis. Was say I think it was Baron Davis on a players only uh, broadcast. Which oh man, those are hard to watch. Uh, <laughs> was saying that Jokic. Uh, with his all-around game, the things that he does in the court, the way he handles the ball, how effective he mm-hmm. is inside, is like a white shack. Which was... <laughs> <laughs> and you hear Sha- Shaquille O'Neal, he's going on, and you just hear Shaquille interrupt him throughout the whole thing going, don't say that. No, you need to stop. Don't say that. <laughs> stop. Uh, <laughs> that's was, awesome. It was one of the hardest things to watch because you could tell. I think Shaq wanted to body slam him through that table. Yeah. Uh, he he but, does not play anything like Shaq, he's, No. No, not even one bit. So I don't didn't understand that analysis. That being said, Jokic has an amazing all-around game. He, he dominates the game uh, in a different way, being an all-around player, and he has stopped – Taking games off like it was mm-hmm. happening in the beginning of the, in the beginning of the season, and he's been far more consistent. Yes, yeah. like the last two thirds of this year, and he's got my vote for the top spot. Nice, we're in agreement on that one. So, I'll say this: Embiid was a name that I thought about for a while, but his mouth, honestly, yep. his mouth alone puts him on the second team, just because he gets so wrapped up in one part of the game that I think it costs his team. Yeah, I think uh, the way he uh, he's also limited. He's still, I mean. He yeah, doesn't back-to-backs play back-to-backs, and, yep, yep. and I, I, that's why I have a hard time to vote for him. And again, his mouth, yep, like, big time. Yo, well, he's he up on the Twitter. I think, yeah, and I think it, I think it causes problems for his team, uh, and, and he, he puts his team in unnecessary situations with his mouth. I'll say the the last thing about uh, Jokic that that I really, uh, and I don't know if it was you I was talking to, it probably was. This is what Arvita Sabonis would have looked like, like. Like he he looks like, our like like how I imagined Arvidas would have played in the NBA before he became this player that he is, like he just like like you dump the ball in even when he was in Portland and we saw that shell of him he could make sure that the best shot was always being taken and that's what that's what uh, I that's, see out of the Joker. But I think that he is a lot closer. To an older Arvidas than a young Arvidas. Now, if you go back, so I'll, watch, okay. watch, I'm, some, I'm, watch some watch some clips on YouTube when he's I'm playing. I'm guilty of that. I haven't seen a young Arvidas at seven two. He was so quick and athletic; it was ridiculous. Really, he could jump. Some of the dunks he was throwing down. Uh, he's 
he was he was a little more dominant than I think we give him you're giving him credit for right now. But it is a really good comparison, probably uh, towards uh, uh, pre-injury, because you know Arvidas had two bad knees by the tank by the time he came over here, and that's why he was kind of a shell of himself. But uh, I didn't even know he had knees. I thought they just did no. that thing that they did to the dad on Family, uh, on Family, <laughs> or, uh, not Family, on uh, King of the Hill. Right. <laughs> I got no shins. Uh, but. Uh, you know, Jokic doesn't have that kind of athleticism, mm-hmm. and uh, it's really funny watching him flex and do a double bicep on the court for some reason. I, I <laughs> like, you know, you better be stacked if you're pulling off that pose, and he's not. I don't want to talk negatively about him, but he he's not athletic. He's smart. He's a very smart, intelligent player, mm-hmm. and that's I mean, he dominates the game with that. Yeah, and and again, I don't I don't have like a, a deep knowledge of uh, Russian Arvidas. I just assumed that his game was slightly quicker. Lithuanian. Wasn't wasn't Lithuania playing in the Russian league? No, because I thought it was that was the whole problem is that he couldn't play because of the Ru- the Soviet Union's. Yeah, well, I'm just saying he had the uh, he wore green. Okay, <laughs> I you, I will say you you know far more of international basketball than me. I just I thought the reason they couldn't come to the NBA was was uh, the Soviet Union, so I just assumed uh, he played for some Russian team. So uh, what I will say is. Um, Good comparison, good pick. Um, the Joker is the man at the five, but that means we have two forward positions to talk about. Want to kick us off? Yeah, you know this one is a it's a tough pick. You know I'm not a big fan of because of the way this season has gone for Golden State, but uh, you know I'm going to go with Kevin Durant at one of the forward spots. Uh, He's still he's the most dominant offensive player. You know James Harden scores more, but I guarantee if Kevin Durant got as many shots as James Harden, it would be a different story. So I'm I'm going to give you a bailout here because I feel like you're going to put yourself in a really bad situation on the next forward pick because on this very podcast I have you on wax proclaiming that the NBA's most valuable player was Paul George, who was a forward. If you pick Kevin Durant in this spot and, and and you don't pick Paul George, we have a problem. Well, I already told you last week, and I already brought that up, that Paul George has kind of been falling the last few weeks. That hard? Because I really out of, you... out of out of MB, out of MVP uh, contention he has for yeah. me and all so, NBA. Well, again, I'm also when I'm thinking about all NBA, I'm also thinking about the fact that the Thunder have also dropped to the eighth spot. Yeah, and okay. it's really hard to give all NBA awards to somebody who you know a team that is right on the verge of not even being in the playoffs. If Minnesota and them weren't so bad. So. Okay, well, you're making for a really poor podcast because I also have Kevin Durant on my. Uh, on my list of all NBA players, just because from a skill level and from a, um, a, a contribution for wins, he's still that guy taking the shots. He's still the guy mm-hmm. that's carrying those teams. You know, he's having those those ridiculous like eleven for twelve games, just making sure yeah. that they win. I mean, his game is solid. He's got all NBA. Can't stand him. I think he's a cancer. Uh, and if, if he didn't have all that positivity around him uh, in that Golden State locker room and that that the solidification. You know, they yeah. almost have that Chicago Bulls '90s locker room where you can put those cancers into that, and you're not going to change the culture. Right. So I'm going to kick off on my next forward position. Right. Let's hear it. It's the Greek freak. It's Giannis. Atentikunko. Atentikunpo. I'll go ahead and say it for you. That's what I said. Sure it was. Atentikunpo. 
So Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> Stop trying to pronounce all the letters. <laughs> uh, he's my MVP. He's hands down uh, the best player. Uh, so of course he's going to get my All NBA first team uh, nod. I mean this guy he could all I mean, you could put him in just about anything. I could I could argue that he's my most improved player. He's my most valuable player. He's the defensive player of the year. Like he's just an unbelievable talent this season. Coach of the year. Coach no. <laughs> That's to his credit he seems to be more player than he he's is very, manager. He's, he's a right? very coachable kid. It's, yeah. it's good to see. Yeah he's not he's not sitting there playing games. He's like hey this is my team I love my team. Yep. Uh, now we go to the, what we have to disagree on on one of these positions, but the one that we don't disagree on would probably be James Harden. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to not put a guy averaging 36, you know, as our uh, shooting guard in All-NBA. It's, uh, you know, as much as I would think he would only average 18 points a game if they would just call traveling on that step-back shot. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, it's I mean hands down. Uh, yeah, easy. he's not he's not my MVP. Uh, just because I really I really think that that Giannis's all around game and the way he uh, he dominates on both sides of the ball is gonna get it and hit get him that this year. Uh, you know, okay. Don't get me wrong, Harden's got a chance at it, but you know, I love he the belongs fact, in the first team. I love the fact that James Harden put up fifty last night. And nobody's really hyped. They're like, he did it again. Yeah, like you, we still have to be amazed at fifty, right? We can't just yeah. act like it's it's. And I love the fact that he's not taking fifty shots. I loved watching Kobe Bryant play basketball, but if Kobe was putting up fifty, I would groan a little bit because I knew that was forty-five shots. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: is that when Harden struggles. The Rockets lose. Yep, and that's just the way that it is. When he's on fire, of course, yeah, they 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 win usually pretty easily. When Giannis struggles, he does so many other things to still help out his team, and that to me is what makes him the most valuable. He struggled against the Rockets. He uh, he finished with 19 points, didn't shoot that well, but all the other little things that he did, the defense that he played, made it so Milwaukee ended up squeaking out the win against the Rockets. Yeah, and even through that struggle, and uh, you know that's why he gets my nod. Yep. That that is uh that that is uh putting us in a position where we uh we're we're gonna probably disagree with this one. So the last guard position. All right. Let's hear you. Oh me? Okay. I got the chef. Do ya. Chef Curry, yeah. Still exciting, still a great shooter, still somebody who can single handedly destroy any team in the league. There's nobody yeah. that can heat check him. There's nobody that's gonna that I don't think there's one player in the league that can stop him from just more than anybody else, I feel like Steph Curry is that player that you could put in any situation, down 20 midway through the third, right? and you could still have him come out and scratch that game right? Out, just and, because 7 what, of 8 on 3. And what I saw him do earlier this week was, uh, you know, you, you have to pick him up at half court. You know, he can come down, you know, there's no time left, and he pulls up from like 38 feet and right. drains a 3 at the buzzer for the win. Uh, you know... How do you how do you match that? Yeah, put him in a time machine and make him play in 1993 is about the only way to stop Steph Curry. Well, I don't know. I think the way that you match that is by Logo Lillard, which is his new nickname, because he's bombing away from just as deep. And that's my pick for the point guard spot is nice Damian segue. Lillard. Again, you know, this is where he was last year. He actually made first All-NBA last year. Uh, Steph didn't make it because of his lack of games with his injury problems. Uh, but... Uh, you know, he's the reason why the Blazers are where they're at. He's averaging uh, 
uh, what, 27 this year, and he is uh, he's shooting well from the field, and he's he's taken that part of his game, his three point game, and extended it out, so he can be just as lethal, you know, on nights as Steph is, and it's uh, it's crazy to see that that's where the NBA is going. We're getting all these guards who were used to being slashers, and now we're comparing who's the greatest by these kind of really deep, unguardable shots. That it, that's a skill that didn't used to exist, you know? Yeah. You know, coaches used to yank people out of the game for doing that, and now they're like, you know, they got to be like, okay, good shot, good Phil, shot. Phil, Phil Jackson <laughs> used to have that rule. Like, if certain players took a, a three-pointer uh, and they missed, they they were benched. Yep. They, they, if they made it, he let them stay in the game. But if they if, if they took a, an unauthorized three, he would pull them yeah. out of the game. Shout but, out, Jason Caffey. <laughs> I just want I just, I just want to ask you uh, one question about your pick, okay? What state are you in right now? I'm in Oregon. Okay. And uh, a follow-up question, if I may. In baseball, what's the most exciting thing to watch? Is it a homer? Because I'm watching one right now. <laughs> nice pick. Uh, <laughs> so, Damian Lillard's great. Uh, I, I still think, I mean, especially pound for pound, just because how skinny Steph is. But I still think Curry's the... Uh, um, the, the, I, it's it's pretty neck and neck. Yeah, I gotta say it's it's pretty neck and neck. The only difference that I would give the nod to Damian Lillard too is the fact that he's the leader of that team. Ooh. Steph has deferred. Ooh. Steph's deferred to uh, Durant. He yeah, has. Yeah. He Steph has taken the Scottie Pippen role, the back seat, the Chris Bosh role. No, you, it's not the Chris yeah. Bosh role. Well, I mean, the, I think the Jordan, Dwayne Wade role. Jordan Bell is the Chris Bosh of the Warriors. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is not even fair. All right. So uh, from from that be Mario Chalmers. Mario Chalmers. <laughs> I still remember Woody Page. It's like Mario Chalmers hit the shot. Uh, so you know we just talked about five amazing players, some of which may come down the greatest of their team or, or, or some of the greatest ever. But there's been a lot of talk about the greatest of all time, and the, these conversations uh, never seem to end. As a matter of fact, Kobe Bryant was just on a, a yeah. television show talking about it, and he rated himself the greatest, followed by Jordan, followed by LeBron. LeBron recently came out and said his win over the Warriors coming back down 1-3 uh, and carrying Cleveland to the first title was all he needed to solidify his spot as the greatest of all time. Michael Jordan recently shaved three points off his score uh, on the back nine of the golf course because <laughs> uh, that's how much he cares about what people are talking about, who the greatest is. So what, how do you feel about all this conversation, like everybody feeling like they're the greatest? Just so you know uh, out there, this is a topic that I wanted to bring up because I hate it. It seems like every couple of weeks it comes up again, and we have to listen to this debate with these three. And when everybody knows that it's David Robinson. What? I'm just I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just thought I'd see if I could get a reaction out of you. I'm a Spurs fan. I'm a little bit biased. I'm an old school guy. Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. There's no debate. And I think they really need to stop. And I think coming up with new topics, you know, they, should, they shouldn't even uh, – you know, glorify these guys' statements, you know, whenever they make these crazy claims to the media. Just drop it. Just dro- find new stories. <laughs> let it go. Just let it go. Yeah. It's clickbait. It's it, That's all it is. It's clickbait. Everybody's going to have an opinion, so they're going to click on it. They're going to read the story. They're going to turn on the ESPN. They're going to listen. Yeah. I hate clickbait. And that's, that's what it is. I, I want to take it one step further, though. You know, you know the greatest of all time statistically is Wilt Chamberlain? He averaged one season. He averaged uh, fifty points, thirty rebounds. Mm-hmm. Nobody in the league would ever do that, right? right. You 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 look at he he had uh, games 
I mean, they, they, they essentially had to create goaltending because of mm-hmm. Will Chamberlain, right? He was the greatest of all time until he wasn't. You put Will Chamberlain in today's NBA, well, he's not Will Chamberlain. If, if you listen to an old interview by Michael Jordan when they asked him, you know, how do you feel about people saying that you're the greatest player of all time, his response is, you know, you can't really say that. Exactly. You know, I'll let people say what they want to say, and that's fine, but he's like, I never got a chance to play against these other great players, mm-hmm. so that's a statement that I can't make. Right. What, what would Michael Jordan do in a in a in a league where you can't touch him? What would he do? Right. Because Michael Jordan got hand checked every time he had the ball. He got hand checked. He got hammered yep. every time he would try to score a layup. Yep. The Jordan and, rules. And you know the the crazy thing is, yeah, you could hammer somebody today like he got hit, but then you'd be out of the game. Right. That's a T right there. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that he got that. You know, in the playoffs, drive after drive after drive, and yep. they would just use, you know, they got, uh, you know, the Pistons, for instance. You know, they would use five of their, you know, forwards and their back centers, both of their centers and all their mm-hmm. forwards, to collapse the middle and just rack up those fouls, clobbering Jordan yeah, they uh, every time he went to the Why hole. Why not? Go for yeah. it. And they so, would use them. So Jordan... It is the greatest of Jordan's era. Exactly. That's what we need to be looking at. LeBron James is absolutely the greatest of Michael Jordan of LeBron James's era. And Kobe Bryant had a, kind of like a he was a, he was a gap player. The end of Jordan, the beginning of LeBron. He was the greatest of that era. Yeah. You can have those arguments. People who played in the same era, same rules, same team construct, same game flow. But what you do is you can't take somebody who played basketball in the 80s and 90s and compare it to, play, to people who are playing basketball in 2019. It doesn't translate. No. You can't take Michael Jordan and say he's the greatest of all time uh, when, when we don't know how Jordan would perform now or 40 years ago. So Jordan is the greatest of his era. Right. Wilt was the greatest of his era. Kareem was the greatest of his era. You can't you can't do this. You can't have well, these conversations of the all time. Well, it, it, it translates to every other sports because let's say – let's talk about baseball. What if you threw – Babe Ruth into the greatest time of baseball, the steroid problem, right? Which is when baseball was the best. I'm just going to say that right now. It was exciting. (laughs) There was like home run excitement every day, these races to break the record, you know. You you don't even have to do that. You you could put him in today's baseball and he would suffer. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, but who was considered. Probably the most legendary baseball mm-hmm. player ever, and throw him into to a game like that. And I'm sorry, but you know he, he ain't gonna be that good, right? And that's that's just how it is. But for his time, he was incredible, right? For for the game knowledge, the training, the statistics, all the all the medicine that goes behind it, all the money that goes yeah. into it, and it's not fair. Exactly. But like you know, I mean, how much money was a was an NBA player making in 1988? Oh is a good man. question compared to now. Now it's a business. Now you have to make sure that you're fine tuned. You're eating well, ma- micronutrients and macronutrients, and you, and you're sleeping you, in hyperbaric chambers. You know what? They, <laughs> you know what they used to pay uh, like uh, really top draft pick rookies out of out of college. I watched um, twenty five thousand. Close. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, it was the interview with Charles Barkley. Yeah, so is this a that? playoff interview? Well, no. This Were you is this about is, his playoff check. No, this is okay. his. This is about him before he gets signed as a rookie. Okay. And it's like uh, uh, he didn't want to sign with Philadelphia 
because one, uh, they only offered him a $75,000 contract, $75,000 a yeah. year. And he's like, I didn't leave college a year early to make $75,000. <laughs> now, the thing that people had as a stipulation, this is a great story, was that he needed to have his weight under 275. Ooh. He went all the way down to 270, he said. But then he found out what Philadelphia was going to offer him, and they were the guys that wanted to draft him. And he was like, nah, forget this. I'm going to eat everything before I meet with them in the next two days. <laughs> and he went, and it's a story of legend, because he went from what he said at 270 in a couple of days, way in at 302. Okay. Okay. <laughs> nice try, buddy. Nice try. And then they were they were ticked at him, and they told him, get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. And they still ended up drafting him. Yeah. So... There was a story, Barkley, it was either his rookie season or his, his second season, and uh, he didn't know he got a bonus check for making the playoffs. So he went out, and then, since we're talking funny Chuck stories, he went out, uh, one of his teammates, one of the older players, I can't remember who it was, Mahorn, or somebody was on his team, told him, yeah, you're going to get 25, it's going to be amazing. Like, you're going to get a little bit of pocket money. And he no, was I like, think that was Moses. Was it Moses? And he was like, oh, awesome. And he, he thought... Twenty five thousand. So he went out and spent like a baller. He got a twenty five hundred dollar check. <laughs> but that's that was the eighties NBA. Now millionaires, right yeah. out like you're a first round pick. You're getting a million dollars, like four million dollars a year, down to like one point five million dollars a year. And then when you sign those deals, you're talking hundred yeah. million dollar contracts. The eighties is when you used to be able to afford to go to games, right? So. Man, well there you go. So yeah, let's put a pin in the goat conversations. Let's talk about the greatest of the era. What what a Goia 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 conversations. Yeah, I think goat has a better ring. Though. Yeah, I, I like I like that, but you know the all time stuff. Comparing those three, Jordan, LeBron, and Kobe, like if I never hear that topic again, I would be a happy person. Exactly. One topic that makes me happy to talk about. <laughs> Because we're we're talking about somebody whose jersey will get retired in the rafters, according to everybody involved. That's what I've involved, heard. Right? That's even, what I've heard. Even even the latest commercials. Big baller brand. So Lonzo Ball's Yo, manager. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. LeBron, <laughs> Lonzo Ball's manager has a pair of Zotus. Opens up a dumpster chute, drops them in the trash, closes it with a hashtag dump your merch, which is a play on the big baller brand get your merch hashtag that they pushed out when the shoes originally launched. Now, he didn't divorce Lonzo as his manager. He is still his manager. So to one-up that, Lonzo Ball decides to post on his Instagram his big baller brand tattoo getting covered up with a couple of dice with the hashtag roll with the winners. Yeah, you know, get your uh, big baller brand hoodies on wish.com right now. Right. Uh, they- <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing of beauty to watch this company fold. It's... um. They they came out full of hubris. You and I didn't know this, but you just told me a story about when people didn't get their gear. Oh yeah, it was great. Uh, so if you don't know, people are ordering these ZO2 shoes for five hundred dollars. I'm sorry if you're going to spend five hundred dollars on shoes, go buy three pairs of Jordans. That's all. Uh, but anyways, they're not getting their shoes for like months sometimes and so people would write an email to the company like you know hey you know i i paid a lot of money for these shoes they were told i was told they were going to get to me in a certain amount of time it is way after that you know what's going on and the replies they would get is uh you need to stop 
writing in, you're just a small baller. <laughs> that's great customer service. Oh, yeah. I think that's top notch. That's straight out of the Nike playbook. This is why they got uh, F from the, what it was, uh, the Better, 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 Better Business, Business Bureau, Bureau yeah. you know? Yeah, that's not the only reason. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one that's, of. That's just one just of. One of. Yeah. Or, or, you know, different material than they actually offered when they, when they came out with the shoes. But, what Pleather's better than leather, right? right? <laughs> it doesn't crack or fade like real leather. Uh, <laughs> so we have, we have a, a few more topics we want to go ahead and push through. We want to thank the listeners for being so patient. Absolutely. One of the topics that we have, uh, it's us violating our promise after breaking our promise after previously breaking that same promise that we weren't going to talk Laker basketball. But I have to talk Laker basketball, Jason. Just, you know, it's like when you when you drive slowly past a car wreck. You know, you, there's just yes. something about this amount of dysfunction that just makes interesting conversations. So at the so. beginning of the season, even Jason and I were baffled at the moves the Lakers were making. They signed Raging Ronda. Sorry. Rajon Rondo, and uh, uh, they re-signed KCP. They brought in Michael Beasley. <laughs> because everybody was going to jump for that. Right, right. And, uh, and then they picked up uh, uh, just, just another collection of, of has-beens and retreads. And we were like, what What are they thinking? Like, this is not yeah. Lance Stevenson. What are you guys coming up with a team for? And uh, Magic says, yeah, we've been working with LeBron. We're really excited. We're putting together a team designed to play tough defense. And basically, he's they, trying to they say they're thought, winners. They thought that, you know, all of those guys were playmakers. Yes. Uh you, how do you call them playmakers? You know, Rajon Rondo, when he's on, yes, he is a great playmaker. But Was. there's a, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of things that have to go right for him to be able to play. Yeah, Rajon Rondo basketball like he did in New Orleans last yep. year. That was a good situation for him. This was not. Yep. Michael Beasley has just been in and out of the league for since the beginning of his career. Yeah, but he was really, really good at Kansas State. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the. <laughs> thank you for that. Uh, uh, you know, uh, make him dance, Lance. I gotta say, I love watching him because something is gonna happen when he's out on the floor. Uh, something crazy. <laughs> Might and, not be basketball you know, related. Yeah, no, he'll do a little dance, and he'll, uh, you know, there'll be some sort of incident. Usually, that was the case. Yep. But. He's been a pariah to every team he's been on. Right. So here we are. We have these terrible decisions. We have apparently the 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 brain trust of Rob Palinka, Magic Johnson, and LeBron James weighing in on these roster decisions. The year has wrapped up. The Lakers are officially out of the playoffs. It's been a disastrous year. You could point to some really big injuries. You could say LeBron never got healthy. You know, um, significant games missed over you thirty also games. Say by, he's old, right? You, a significant games missed by Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Kuzma was in and out of the lineup a couple different times. But instead of pointing to this and saying we have something to build to the future, what we hear is LeBron James through sources, leaked out that he was never happy with the roster moves. Not just the trade deadline stuff, but the the roster construction to begin with. And he's trying to distance himself from the decisions of this team. By the way, leaked through sources means you're too much of a coward to talk to the media yourself. Uh, Oh, yeah, it changed the dialogue. Yeah, of course. Uh, So this is the equivalent of wearing an air cast, right? (laughs) Remember the aircast last season when he lost and he wanted to act like he had uh-huh. a reason to lose and he didn't actually have any. I basically broke my arm. No, he didn't. Yeah. So what do you think of this? I don't think that the Lakers are going to be able to put together uh, a roster that complements LeBron's game because LeBron's game is not what it used to be, and I don't. They're going to have to work some miracles. And it, it, number one, next year when they sign a free agent, LeBron's going to have to understand that he ain't the number one guy. If they're going to get a guy like Anthony Davis. It's gonna to have to go through him. It's gonna if they have to, you know, 
That's rough. They're going to have to understand that this aging superstar, you know, that nobody's dominant at this age. It's 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 a fact. Jordan's. Nobody. Nah. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. You know, LeBron's 37. When Jordan was 38, when he went to the Wizards, you know, when he decided to to come out of retirement for the second time, you know, he could score his points, but he couldn't get a team over the hump. Well, so here's here's my thing. So LeBron, and it was a team similar, full of young talent that was actually you know. Yeah, they had, they had some money. So LeBron's 34. What I will say is, it's not about the age to me. It's about the miles, man. It's about the miles. Like Jordan, at the end of his career, at thirty-eight years old, still yeah. didn't have the amount of miles this man has on him at thirty-four. Right. Like, that's just that's too much well, wear and tear. He's the oldest thirty-four-year-old in the history of the league. Mm. He's got so many minutes on those legs. Can I, possibly, but can I challenge that? The Kevin Mutombo was the oldest thirty-four-year-old. Kevin Mutombo was actually a, a fifty-six-year-old, thirty-four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> <And that, laughs> <laughs> so this to, to the listeners, there's there's been an inside joke with Jason and I for a really long time that when Dikembe Mutombo was drafted at 23 years old, he was actually turning 40. <laughs> he was one of those guys that now, like you see in the like, were like 23 year old guys from Africa that were brought in to play on these high school teams. Have you seen mm-hmm. this trend? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, uh, I mean, and then it comes out that they're actually grown men by the time they're freshmen oh, yeah. in high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that, that's that's the joke there. I, I'll say. Shame on you, LeBron James, for doing this. Yeah. Like, shame on you. This was your decision to move. This was you signed off on these players. Own it. Own your crap. You need to to be li- you're you're the number one guy. You're the most liable. That's all I exactly. Say. Couple couple more topics, and then uh, we're gonna have to bid farewell to our listeners. Uh, so something that's really been bothering me is been watching the Celtics play basketball and wondering. What happened to Gordon Hayward? Now, to the listeners who don't know, last season, first game of the year, he ends up it's a really it was a really nasty break. He breaks his ankle, right? So ankles heal properly. So I don't understand he injured his ankle. I don't know if he I felt like it was either his leg or he broke his ankle or something terrible happened. Gordon Hayward. I, yeah. yeah. Um but but ultimately he's been back uh, this entire season. I really believe he was going to play his way into uh, kind of round into form. Here we are, end of the season. He's still hit or miss, and he still takes multiple nights off now. It's it, Boston's in a really tough spot because they're paying so much to Gordon Hayward. He was a max contract signing a couple of years ago, and you know it. it and through nobody's fault, it was it was a, it was a decent pickup, and if, should he remain healthy, it wasn't a bad contract. But right now. Uh, he's eating up a lot of salary, and if he doesn't get through this, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a a mental block, a physical block, and I know part of it is physical because it came out not too long ago where he was watching tape of himself saying, oh, my gosh, am I that slow out there? Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe Boston can can work out to some sort of agreement. Maybe he can get bought out. Maybe Maybe something can happen, but Gordon Hayward is – is set to just play himself out of any rotation. Yeah. yeah. The only reason he's getting minutes is because they're paying him so much money and they feel obligated to at this point, I feel. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's a really popular player in the league. He was always a, a really exciting uh, guy to watch. He's always a, a great teammate. Yeah. But well, so. Brad Stevens, too. He's, yeah. he's buddies, been buddies with Brad Stevens since his days in Butler. Yep. So, 
you know. So here, yeah, and a correction when I said broken ankle, it was a it was a dislocated ankle and a broken tibia at the bottom of his uh, bottom of his tibia. Which I mean, if you ever watched the the video of the injury, and I, I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, you could you could clearly see that that foot was pointed off in a clearly different direction than it yeah. ever should have been. Uh, and and I understand there's a really hard injury to come through, but I feel like he's going to be a. Do you ever do you remember? Gordon Hayward. I feel like he's going to be that guy where his career was cut short and he never really turns out to be what he was. Almost like a Grant Hill no, kind we'll, of. We'll remember him for that. Well, that that's tough because Grant Hill came back from it. He never came back to be well, a. Well, no, he, he no. I, I don't think. That's what I'm I don't to think, say. I don't think that Gordon Hayward can get to that post injury Grant Hill level. The role player, like. The salt, like. The, 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 yeah, the, 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 the solid kind of guy. I mean. Grant Hill was averaging, you know, he had seasons with Phoenix where he was averaging 17 points a game. Whatever they did in Phoenix to people, though, there was, was something bizarre. in the water. Oh, there was something in the water. Or there. they weren't testing for it yet in the NBA. Yeah. Whatever that was was incredible because it was like, it was, it was rehashed player salvation after rehashed player salvation. So kudos to that group for figuring out how to get ahead of the doping testing that the NBA does. Well, you don't know. <laughs> yeah, you allegedly. Don't know. So speaking of allegedly, I have uh, one final story that I want to talk about, <laughs> and I uh, promise the listeners, and I promise you, I'm not taking a side on this. I'm just telling the facts. Okay. Oh, would you like me to go over this? Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Kristaps Porzingis, as all of our NBA fans know. The he, unicorn? Yeah, the unicorn was traded recently from the New York Knicks to... Uh, the Dallas Mavericks. He hasn't played this season due to recovery from a torn ACL, an injury that was prohibiting him from taking any kind of um, uh, physical activity for about three months. Uh, He's been jogging, getting into shape for another three months, and and he's not quite ready to hit the court yet. What I want to go over is an allegation that has recently come to light. A woman has come forward saying that over a year ago, Kristaps sexually assaulted her in a hotel room. Now, the Knicks are unwilling to talk about non-Nick players, and they're kind of washing their hands of this. And Mark Cuban has come out and said that the federal government has asked him not to speak about the matter while it's under investigation. There has been information released, mainly from her attorney, that the reason why she waited so long... Now, I was expecting this to be you know, shame or fear, the normal things right. that women have to overcome to, to come forward. But it was because he, he uh, reneged on paying her the $68,000 that he promised her. Who? Kristaps uh, Porzingis oh. promised to pay her sixty-eight thousand dollars, and uh, and he didn't do it. And uh, <clears throat> that seems like a strange figure. It does. It really does. I don't know what sixty-eight thousand dollars. Maybe that's how much money he had laying around, or something like that. It's it's a small rookie contract. But the the most peculiar, and the one that makes me want to use the alleged word so much in this story, is that this occurred. The night that he tore his ACL, not not prior to, but after the game in which he tore his ACL. I've never torn my ACL. I don't know how excruciating that is, but I have, I have dislocated my knee, and I thought I was going to die for about a week. Right. Uh, I would say I think he spent a lot of time at the hospital that night. I would and, think so, too. And, uh, you know, that's the stuff that's going to have to be verified. Yeah. You know, so anyways, if this happened, terrible. If it, so, if it didn't, shame on you. So, a couple questions that I would have for her, like you said, why sixty-eight thousand dollars? Because that is the most arbitrary number. Um, but I mean, th- th- this runs so deep into what do the Mavericks do with this? So, if if part of this is true or all of this is true, 
Does Mark Cuban have reason to not sign him? Does he let him go? And if he does, does this prohibit him from joining another NBA team? Because we don't see this too often. We see some stories come out. I know this came came out about Kobe Bryant recently. Like not this recently, but in alleged 2004. Claims. Well, the you know, and he ended up settling this. And this might be something where uh, Christoph Spurzingis ends up settling out of court and never actually goes to uh, see the light of a trial. But does this stain him the way it stains Kobe Bryant? Well, too, we also live in a different time than back in 2004. This is true. Uh, now, uh, should it be to where Kristaps, you know, settles, you know, just to, to get rid of it, whether he did it or not, you know, sometimes you just want to get people off your back if it's not true. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks a certain way to, to some people, and... Now through social media, I mean, he can. I mean, it can tarnish somebody and ruin somebody so much easier than it used to be able to. True. So this is what I this is what I really do wish for. I wish that the players' association or the NBA or somebody at the bargaining table would would force the hand. So we see these things happen where they say, you know, we're not going to pursue criminal charges. We're gonna and we're gonna settle out of court for right. for a sum. Um, I think that was what happened with Kobe Bryant. That's happened with a couple other people. Uh, when allegations come, it, it, Derek Rose is a little bit of a different situation. That his, his was uh, far different. He ended up going to court and getting himself exonerated and actually going after the the person who had said some of the things about him. But if he really did do this, and I'm not saying he didn't. I'm not saying he didn't. That's not you know the the good men and women of the New York Police Department and any other federal agency will find out that answer with an investigation. But just because she decides to not press charges and she settles out of court, or maybe even doesn't settle out of court, but this doesn't go to trial, I would still love that the NBA take a firmer stance on these kind of things and find out does this really happen, and if so, here's our actions for it. Right. Well, it needs to be uh, a rule written in stone. It does. You know, because I mean. Again, if it's something that happens, as much as I love Christoph Porzingis, you know, I'd want to know about be, it. You can't be having that. I, I would want to know about it. I wouldn't want it to be well. This wasn't pursued criminally, and the details of our settlement was like the Kobe Bryant thing. Did it happen or didn't it happen? Well, that settlement forced her not to be able to speak about it, and we'll never know the details of it other than what kind of leaked out because it never went to trial. So then it kind of gets washed away. And now Kobe Bryant's this beloved person who makes his rounds all the time. But what if he, what if he did whoa, that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Number eight did that. Oh, uh, <laughs> number twenty-four just has excellent work ethic. <laughs> I forgot who did that comedy skit. I can't. I can't remember. Uh, I think it was Dane Cook. Was it Dane? No, Cook? No, 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 no. I don't Not think Dane it Cook? was. No. Ah, it was. Oh no, it was uh, Tosh. Daniel Tosh. Yes, that's he right. did it. He's <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, we're cheering for number twenty-four. So, anyways, that's the last of uh, of of our topics. Uh, we want to give a, a big shout out to Daniel who who wrote in last yeah, week. Yeah, thanks for being our first uh, our first writer. So we really appreciate that. And hey, uh, please uh, go to our Facebook uh, page at uh, Over and Back. Uh, actually, Facebook uh, dot com slash Over and Back. Uh, drop us a message. Drop us a question. You know, any kind of comment. Uh, we like to hear from people. So uh, please do that. And also hit us up at our email address at. Over and back at gmail.com. That's O V E R N B A C K at gmail.com. Also, if you like the podcast and you're listening to it on iTunes, throw us a, a five star, even a four star if you, if you kind of like me, but you don't really like Jason. Leave some comments too. We'd love to be able to read that. Ouch. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey. Anyways, everybody, thanks for inviting us in for another hour, this hour and 22 minutes this week. Uh, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Absolutely. Have a, have a great one. Later. Later.